Who do you work for? Uh, we use Ephesians 6 kind of as the springboard into this lesson, okay? So, uh, based upon what we've been talking about recently in our Wednesday evening class, and we talked a little bit about creation, and based upon the big picture concept that we've used uh, for quite some time now in, in some of our studies, this lesson this morning is, I hope you'll see, the big picture concept about work. And so in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, in verses five through eight, it begins there by saying that bond servants or, or slaves, as uh, New American Standard translates that, that they are to be obedient to their masters. But Paul goes on in that section to say that you really serve Christ and that you should do these things willingly and from the heart. Now I want to tell you, confess, 33 years at General Motors, and I didn't get up each morning going, yeah, now I'm going to serve the Lord. <laughs> so it takes a little bit for that concept to sink in. But I think that is the concept that Paul is setting forth there in, in Ephesians. And so we're going to backtrack to the book of Genesis and kind of work it forward, and I think it will help us to come to see that yes, we do serve the Lord. That is, Gerald, where did he go? That is who we work for ultimately. So keeping that in mind. In Genesis chapter 1, as we have talked, and I'm not going to rehash all of that that we've talked about on Wednesday evenings, but to kind of put this forward again a little bit. We talked about in the beginning God created, and then we talked about the fact that the Father was there, the Holy Spirit was there, the Son we know from the New Testament in Colossians 1, was there. They were all there. And we noticed how it stated in Genesis 1 that in the beginning the world was formless and it was void. And out of this chaos, it was touched by divinity. And out of that came organization and direction and purpose. That's all contained there in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that God took man and he placed him in the garden. And he told him to tend it and to keep it. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. So if you were to kind of take that, summarize that Genesis chapter 2, put it in sort of modern day vernacular, you would say, God gave man a job. <laughs> and God was his boss. That's who he was going to work for. You're in the garden. You are to tend it. You are to keep it. I want you to give you this illustration. And think about this as we kind of launch into this discussion in regards to our work. And how that all fits into God's plan. Tuesday mornings are generally kind of busy in our neighborhood. That's the day that the garbage truck comes. That's the day that the recycled truck comes. And so early on Tuesday mornings, you know, generally I'm carrying that stuff out there, putting it down by the curb. And this last Tuesday morning, I was doing that. And as I was doing it, my neighbor came out from next door and I 
waved to him, said good morning. He's retired from the railroad. Well, just shortly after that, here came the garbage truck down the road, and there was a couple guys on the back, you know, as kind of it is, and I waved to them. And then I hopped out in the car because I didn't ready to come here, but first I went to High V. And I headed straight to the back of the store because that's where the bakery is. <laughs> I got one old-fashioned sour cream plain donut. I headed for the front of the store because that's where Starbucks is. I didn't even have to tell them because when they saw me coming, they knew what I was going to get. So I got my black coffee and I hopped in the car and I headed this way. Now let me ask you something. Let's suppose somebody came along and out of those people that I sort of interacted with briefly that morning, if, a, if someone from news came along and had a microphone and stuck it in their face and said, tell me, how does your job impact the world? And so I'll give you a chance also. You just think about that. How does your job impact the world? Would you have to stop and think about it for just a moment? Or would you say, well, yeah, I think my job, it, there's this impact. Or <laughs> would you be like I was at times in the past, agreeing with the writer from old, remember him? Where he said it's all vanity of vanities. And life under the sun is just a chasing after the wind. You ever had days like that? <laughs> I think we all have. So what we need to do is we stop and give consideration to the fact that work has been a part of God's plan from the very beginning. And we'll talk about work in the beginning, and then we'll talk about knowledge and skill and connections and our work, and we'll talk about God's work. Because it's all been a part of God's plan from the very beginning. I'm going to read to you now from Genesis chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hoovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. From the very beginning, God's a worker. You ever thought about that? God is a worker. And it says that God created and the Spirit was hovering over the darkness and we know from the New Testament once again that Jesus was there and all things were created by Him and through Him and for Him. But whenever it talks about God created in Genesis chapter 1, it means more than just bringing something out of nothing because as you continue to read in Genesis 1, you come to understand that it means bringing it into existence. It means organizing it and then it means giving function to those individual pieces of that creation. There was the land. <laughs> there was the waters. There was the separation of the waters. There was the sun and the moon and the stars. And as you think about each and every one of those and you read about those, they all had a purpose. 
They were going to function the way God intended for them to function. But that was the beginning. And that was just the beginning. Because there's more. Lots more. See, because when we turn to the pages of the New Testament, Romans chapter 1 specifically, Paul says, since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen by those things which are made. His eternal power and Godhead. You know what that's saying? (laughs) Paul says, you take a look at creation. And you understand there was intelligence that was behind this. That there is design to this and that this design is screaming that there is a designer and it took power to bring this all to in, into existence. And he says, so man's without excuse. You look at this and you can see that this design had a designer. And that this creation... And the way it functions, it has purpose. You read down through Genesis 1, and it's day after day, and there is logical progression. And as you proceed from day 1 down through day 6, you will watch as it becomes increasingly complex. But it shows design. And it shows purpose. And it shows what Paul is talking about. That there's intelligence and that there were skills involved in bringing that all into being. But there's something else that we need to notice too. That yes, the Father was there. And that the Holy Spirit was there. And the Son was there. And what that's saying is that there was partnership in this work. Keep that in mind. There was cooperation in this work. And yet, there's more. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. That's where we've talked about where it says, And God created man and woman in his image after his likeness. He created them. Male and female. And we oftentimes think about that. We say, well, he's supposed to reflect God's nature and his attributes. But there's something else. We are also to reflect his ability to work. God has been a worker from the beginning. Man was given intelligence. Man was given reason. Man was given the ability to plan. Man was given the ability to carry out those plans. Man was given an imagination. Some of you can remember John Kennedy and one of his famous quotes. He said, some men look at things the way they are And they wonder why. Other men look at the way things are. And they wonder why not. That's an ability that God has given us. Your dog never built his doghouse. 
Somebody thought that up. And then they executed that plan. One writer put it this way. He said, man has been given intelligence and he's been given reason and he's been given imagination. He's been given skills. He's been given physical capabilities. God made man to walk upright. He gave him five senses. He gave him physical strength and he gave him thumbs. It's all a part of what God did for man. So from the very beginning, there was man, and then there was woman, and then there was offspring, and then there were siblings. And as you continue to read through the book of Genesis, you come to understand there were relatives, then there were communities, we might say cities, and eventually states and nations. That's the way it was going to go because God told them and he blessed them and that they were to multiply and fill the earth. So there would be partnership in this work that God would give them to do because they're going to multiply. But secondly, from the very beginning, God intended for man to continue with the work that he begun. They were to increase, but then he says that they are to have dominion over that which he has created. They would rule over that world. And so whenever we read from Genesis the early chapters that on the seventh day God rested. <laughs> Another writer said he rested, but he didn't quit. And that's what we got to understand. So God had a plan beyond initial crea creation. And man was a part of that plan. So in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15 where it says that God took man and put him in the garden that he was to tend it and to keep it. It's in that same chapter, Genesis chapter 2, where God brings all the animals to Abraham and tells him, Abraham. <laughs> Did you catch that? <laughs> Correct that recording. That's Adam. <laughs> God brought all the animals to Adam and told him to name them. And man named them, but beyond that, he tamed them. And then God said, he gave the plants, and that they would bear seed after their kind. You know what that means? Adam, you're going to take those seeds, <laughs> you're going to plant them in that ground. And you're going to get that ground to produce what you're going to need. You're going to subdue. You're going to rule over that ground. And those animals, you'll use to your benefit. And those oceans that are teeming with life, that's food. And you can harvest that food. And you know what? We think we're pretty sharp because we've come up with solar power and wind power. 
Well, it's been around since the beginning. <laughs> and man's been using it since the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, I want you to think about this. When it says that God rested on the seventh day, creation at that point was all that it should be. But it was not all that it could be. At that point, creation was complete, but it wasn't finished. And so that's where man comes in. And his knowledge and his skills and his abilities and the connections that man is going to have. So he can do the work that God intends for him to do. Someone else said creation was phase one of God's plan. And God intended for mankind to use the knowledge, the skills, and connections that he had given him so he could make the world what God intended for it to be. You know, oftentimes we read from Psalms, the 19th chapter, where it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. That's celestial and terrestrial. <laughs> it's all to bring glory to God. So let me ask you something. Now, what kind of work do you do? How do you make the world what God intended for it to be. Can you start to see Ephesians 6 and verse 6? That you might do God's will from the heart. Some work, let me run this by. Some work is primarily knowledge based. So we might think about medicine. We might think about law. Education, nowadays communication, <laughs> IT, right? Other work is skill based. Some of it might be carpentry or manufacturing or electrical or plumbers or bakers, all kinds of blue collar workers. And then some work involves managing those people. And the connections that we have. And there's the coordinating of relationships. That's why we have HR, right? <laughs> Human resources. And there's management, and there's care professions, and there's child care, and there's elder care. So let me ask you again. How many different lives, how many different occupations touch your life every day? <laughs> See, Tuesday, I was already starting to think about Sunday. <laughs> so when I walked outside and I saw those folks, there's the railroad, there's the sanitation workers, there's that baker, <laughs> get my donut, <laughs> and there's that coffee maker. <laughs> Work takes all kinds of shapes and forms and expressions. 
from one culture to another, from one nation to another. But what we've got to come to understand is work matters because that's the way that God designed it. In Genesis chapter 1, as he finished each day, it says it was good. But when he got to the sixth day, and everything was there, and man was there, he said it was very good. So we think about God's work. See, sometimes we make distinctions. And we say, well, there's sacred work and then there's secular work. And when we make those distinctions, what we're saying is the preacher does sacred work and everybody else does secular work. (laughs) Well, that's not really a distinction that God makes. The Bible makes it clear that all work And let me qualify this. All work, unless it's illegal or immoral, all work is God's work. And so if we're helping people and helping the world to become all that God intends for it to be, then it's God's work. Genesis 1 in verse 26 or about verse 31 I should move that forward Carlos right to the end (laughs) when man and woman are there (laughs) it says it was very good do you know what God was saying at that point if we could just kind of paraphrase that (laughs) what he was saying at that point is all hands on deck because I'm ready fire this thing up and this is the way it works and everybody's got a place everybody's got a position and so you think about what God made and you think about the way he designed it and you think about the way God wants the world to be So he calls artists and designers and beauticians and paint store owners because God has an appreciation for those things which are beautiful and he wants his world to be beautiful. God wants his world to be healthy so he calls Physicians and nurses, nutritionists, therapists, even veterinarians. God wants children to be taken care of and loved and nurtured. So he calls parents and grandparents and child care workers and coaches and den mothers and Sunday school teachers. God wants knowledge to increase. So he calls for explorers, researchers, teachers, scientists, computer designers, 
God cares about justice. So he calls attorneys and judges and lawmakers and social workers. God values order. So he calls managers for corporations and for businesses, secretaries for offices, homemakers for homes. And God wants people to live in peace. He wants them to live in security as they go about their daily lives. So he calls soldiers and police officers, first responders, and government officials. Because you want to know what the very first responsibility of government is? To protect its citizens. That's why we have government. God says so. Romans 13. So when you think about that, we think about where we fit in. Matthew, the 22nd chapter, at about verse 37 through 39. There was one who came to Jesus on that occasion and they asked him, Teacher, What's the first and great commandment? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is like unto it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For on these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. On another occasion, there was another lawyer that came. And he asked Jesus, what's the first and great commandment? Jesus essentially said, you tell me, how do you read it? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, that's right. But the lawyer couldn't leave it alone. (laughs) So seeking to justify himself, he said, and who's my neighbor? So Jesus, Luke the 10th chapter, taught this parable. There was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers. And they mugged him and beat him and left him half dead. He said, and then passing that way, there was a Levite. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And then after him, there came a priest And he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. And then there came a Samaritan. (laughs) Samaritans were kind of despised in that day and time. And he said, but the Samaritan stopped, and he picked him up, bandaged him up, loaded him on his animal, and took him to an inn, and told the man, take care of him. And if there's any further expense, I will pay you when I come back. And so Jesus asked, who is his neighbor? And the guy, the lawyer said, I suppose the one who showed compassion. And Jesus said, that's true. Go and do the same. Go and do likewise. So God wants people created in his image to use their knowledge, to use their skill, to use their connections to benefit 
one another to work. He wants us to work for justice. He wants us to work for health. He wants us to work for beauty. He wants us to work for education. He wants us to work for safety. He wants us to work for family. So whatever area that we are in, when we work to make life better for one individual or for the community, we join God in the work that He's done from the beginning. And from the beginning, he said it was good. It was very good. So when you think about creation, at the end of that sixth day, it was all that it should be. But it wasn't all that it could be. It was complete, but it wasn't finished. And that's the work God has given man to do. And so that's work from the beginning. And that's why I believe Paul is explaining in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. See, because in Ephesians chapter six, that's really a summary and an application of what he has stated from the beginning. In Ephesians chapter one, he said, we have all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he explains how God has made all men into one. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Bond servants or slaves, render obedience to your masters, not as men pleasers. For the one you serve is Christ. And that you should do the will of God from your heart. Can you see that? And how that works. That's what he intends. I want to add this last thought. In 1 Corinthians the 3rd chapter. As Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Chapter 3 and about verse 9. He says we are fellow laborers together with God. Christians. We are fellow laborers together with God. Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost. The gospel is preached. God's new creation. The church is going to come into being that day. It was up. It was ready to go. It was all that it should be. But it wasn't all that it could be. See what I'm saying? Ephesians 4. And he gave some to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Can you see that? Just like in the physical realm, God created and he gave man work to do for the benefit and for the glory of God. And in the church, we work and we can benefit one another 
and it's for the glory of God. So that's the big picture in regards to work from the beginning. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never rendered obedience unto the gospel of Christ, you need to do that. You need to do that even this very day, that you might be a part of His church, that you might join hands with Him and one, one another in working in the kingdom to bring glory to God and to benefit one another. If you've never done that, it was Jesus that said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should, we'd encourage you to come back, make your life right with Him. We want to help you in that. So the invitation is yours while together we stand and while we sing.